with Wolf and Luke. It's Tuesday. Time for some Suns three-pointer action here as the uh, the Suns off tonight, coming off that loss to Philadelphia, now 7-3 and three on the season. Kellen Olsen is here. He's in for Wolf. And, uh, Kellen, I'm going to let you start. We, uh, we can go on right <gasps> now. Really? Yes. The, uh, the topic is biggest questions that you have concerning the Phoenix Suns now 10 games into the season. You ready? Ready. All right, Kellen, you go first. Number one. How long will it take for Cam Johnson to look like Cam Johnson once he returns? Cam is someone who historically over his career, when he gets hurt and then comes back, it takes him a little bit to get going. All of those were fairly minor injuries. This is a surgery that he has had. And then, of course, the stories all of us were Googling together, past meniscus injuries, how long they take. I think all of us kind of learned the basic understanding of there's a surgery that doesn't take as long off. And then there's the one that takes an extensive amount of time off, like multiple, multiple months. Only one to two months, so it sounds like he got the more minor one of the two. But that one is also a bigger risk. And, and again, tearing your meniscus, how long is it going to take for him to get back? It's going to take him at least a dozen, 20 games. But can he, let's say he comes back mid-January. Can he use the next three months of the regular season, or two months, I'm sorry, the regular season, to get going? So by the time we're looking at April and the playoffs are starting, he's all good to being back to himself because that is that to me is huge. Yeah, you know what? That was one of mine too. So I'm going to just pair it up with yours right here. Is is how much does this set back Cam Johnson in his development? And I don't mean like, hey, is he going to develop into a good NBA player? He's already that. But you're talking about is he going to develop into a bona fide starter on an NBA title contender? That was supposed to be this regular season. To me, that was kind of the biggest storyline of this regular season. And it could still happen, but you just laid out the timeline of how that now all gets pushed back. And you're right. Not only did I Google um, MCL tears, or meniscus tears, rather, uh, then I went uh, and I had to Google high ankle sprains and how long it takes. And then Mm -hmm. they should have a filter on Google for how quickly (laughs) it takes to come back and how quickly it takes Buda Baker to come back. I'm surprised you just didn't ask anyone. Back 14 footer is two points. Dynamite. So you're surprised I didn't ask any? I'm surprised you didn't ask any of the Twitter uh, doctors on Twitter who, whenever I tweet about an injury, they're just telling me how long it's going to be already. It's like, oh, thank you. You spoke to Cam, I guess. Every, yeah, everybody on the internet knows everything. That's already been established. All right, what's your second one? Will Mikel Bridges and or DeAndre prove to be bigger factors offensively by the time Johnson returns? This is going back to our conversation with Jay Williams. Jay made a really good point about not really reading too much into the first month of the season, and then I added on, and he agreed with the fact that it's just how you use that time in the developmental aspect to grow things and get better. The Warriors are a recent example. They're putting Kaminga in the rotation. He was on the rotation to start the year, but now they're going to try and get him incorporated and try and develop him throughout the regular season. Can the Suns be proactive with this time and develop something that wasn't there before, which is one of those two guys just being a real offensive force and, and proving to be reliable and consistent. Mine falls uh, somewhat in line with that. I guess it's a little more broad of just, I, I'm back to having depth questions about this team, which was really my only question coming into the season was depth. And then the second unit started to look pretty good. And I was like, all right, okay. They, they know what they're doing, much like Cam Johnson developing in the starting lineup. Guys like Jock Landale and some of these guys are going to develop in the second unit. But now that's really being strained because the it's just Cam Johnson that's out right now, but Chris Paul did miss the second half of that game last night. DA missed a good chunk of it. If if either one of those guys has to miss a couple weeks and Cam's already out, 
we're going to see. And I, it's it's not, when I say the depth is a question mark, I don't say it's bad. I'm just saying it's a question mark. It's it's an unknown. Three-pointer, Shazam! That's just showing off right there. Right. My third question for you, Luke Lipinski. What does this roster look like in March? Now, this just seems like we're regurgitating something that we've been talking about for weeks and months about this team, others, a pending trade and all that kind of stuff. Not exactly where I'm going with this. What I mean is when we are looking towards April, May, and June, and we're looking at a playoff rotation, I think March is a huge month for contenders because it's where you really look out and say, okay, these are the guys that we can play in these huge moments in these big games. This is where we're going to go here with minute allocation and there and stuff, and that's really the month where you iron that stuff out, try more stuff in the regular season perhaps to get ready for that rotation. So right now, beyond the fact that I'm looking at additions on the team on the trade market, I'm looking at how Damian Lee and Jock Landale play over the course of the regular season because I would say right now, in my opinion, they have eight guys that I really trust in the playoffs. That's their starting five when fully healthy. I'm going to put Damian Lee in there. I think he's been great, and I think the pedigree with the Warriors speaks for itself. Now, we say that all the time, and people think that means he was playing 20 minutes a game for the Warriors. He wasn't, but he was was still starting over Steph. No, he wasn't, but he was still impactful, and when they called on him in little moments, he was ready. I'm putting Jock Landle in there. He looks great. I think the defensive mobility and the mobility in general is something that the team has really been missing at that spot off the bench, and he brings that real size. has been impactful defensively around the rim as well. I'm going to put campaign there. I'm going to put campaign there. I know I'm hesitating. but Calvin's face turned bright red when he made that concession. I've been a campaign believer dating back to the offseason where I had questions. And look, I was the same person who said they probably just need to replace just because of the uncertainty there. That's why. But now that they're believing in him, I, I believe in him, too. And he's gone off to a really good start this year. Beyond that, where do we look? Can they add another score? Can they add another shooter? Can Torrey Craig prove to be this guy the whole season? He's been great to start the year. I'm not going to put him in there yet. Can Landry Shaman have a bounce back year? Are we looking at this team being deeper than we thought? Do Lee and Landale regress? Like, What exactly happens over the next really three months of the regular season to look at how we feel about the playoff rotation? Um, that's a good one. I'm going to go a slightly different direction. It is something we talked about a little bit earlier. Can they walk the fine line? Can they balance not burning Chris Paul out? Not burning Devin Booker out. And, and the thing with Devin Booker is I don't know that you would know you burned him out until like the Western Conference Finals. Can you balance that while still winning enough games to be... What do you think they need to be in the Western Conference? Like top three? Three. I don't want to be playing... New Orleans or Golden State Honestly, in the maybe first two. round. Maybe two even. The thing, the thing that's kind of like crazy though, and this is very early, obviously Golden State is in 12th right now. Golden State doesn't care about the regular season, no. so like they might just finish fifth. So you don't want to be fourth and be playing Golden State in the first round. You don't need to make this path harder on yourselves. It's, it's going to be a gauntlet, man. Even that eighth spot, you look at how Portland looks right now. I, I know there's the Jazz, and we're going to see some regression from those teams specifically. But you're talking about Damian Lillard in a playoff series with guys like Jeremy Grant, guys like Josh Hart who know how to play and win in the playoffs. I mean, it's going to be a gauntlet, man. It's going to be a gauntlet. they got to be ready for it. See the shots that I took, wet like on book. Yeah, I forgot to tell you, we play that at the end, and you're supposed to sing along like Wolf does. That's our podcast intro. They stole it from us. Is it us. really? No, maybe you stole it from us, even though we haven't had it nearly as long as you have. Now we've had it for like two plus years. After another loss, have they wrote that song? Actually, Travis Scott and Drake wrote that song just for this show. Uh, have the Cardinals given any more thoughts to play calling duties? It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olson filling in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every time they show Jeff Saturday on one of these TVs, Kellen, Kellen Olsen's in for Wolf today. Every time they show him, he has the same look on his face of, I'm just as surprised as you guys are. I don't know how I got here. Stop asking me. Uh, but Jeff Saturday is the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And um, he's living the American dream, which is get paid millions of dollars for something you have no expertise or no experience or no reason to really have a job for, but yet you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it now. We're all rooting for you, Jeff Saturday, is, but you've already won. Subtext to what you're saying right here? No. Okay. I'm just saying that's awesome. Shout out to him. We're, it really sucks for the people who have been grinding away for years at the opportunity to be an F- NFL coach head coach. on that team. And the guy on ESPN who just played for the Colts before was like, hey, no, I'll do it. He really should have showed up at his press conference and just said, I'm on the train and just recreated the whole Herm to ASU thing. There is someone who's been like grinding through the Colts organization for 15 years yeah. who thought they were going to get a phone call and then they saw the notification and were like, threw their they phone were, across the wall. <laughs> or they just did like a triple take like I did yesterday during the show, and I'm like, oh, they hired Jeff Saturday. Wait, that Jeff Saturday? The Jeff Saturday was never coached at any level? Peyton uh, Manning likes him. Well, so that's... that's Why not hire Peyton Manning? <laughs> like, at least Peyton Manning is a... I'm on the train. Yeah. We need the Manning that's cast, that's why. That's true. We there's, need there's no Saturday cast. There's just the Manning cast. Uh, as far as the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury joined us yesterday and said uh, he's still going to be calling plays. I have not, no. I, I, I like where we're heading. I know uh, yesterday we had some, um, you know, some of those errors that we can't have, but I think uh, with some of these pieces back, I think we have a chance to, to make a little run. Yeah. He also talked about Kyler Murray's play on Sunday against Seattle. You know, he once again, um, some throws we'd like to have back, but you, you got a, the ball late, um, still had us in the game, and, and uh, we, we don't feel like it's clicked all the way yet. So uh, we got to get there soon as we're running out of time. We understand that, but I think he, he's um, battling each and every week. There's two things to me, Kellen. If we look, the playoffs would be nice, and I know you just detailed this uh, this Goodwill Hunting sort of equation that proved that the Cardinals could still make the playoffs. Out. It does. It, numbers never lie. Can, cannot argue with the numbers. They do not ever lie. Uh, but to me, right now at three and six. The reason I think you have to make some sort of change, and I'm, whether that, if it's not firing somebody, that's fine, but you got to change something, whether it's changing the play calling or dramatically changing whatever you're doing or changing who's calling the plays or something, you have to change something because A, your fans are going to start to just get, they already are angry. If you just keep doing the same thing and getting the same result, it's one thing to be like, okay, we're trying something different, but we got the same result. But if you just kind of ride this out and you're just like, ah, we think it's going to turn, it's not, doesn't seem to be turning. So your fans are going to become apathetic. And B, you have to make sure you're developing the quarterback you just gave $230 million to or promised $230 million to. Because no matter what you think about Cliff Kingsbury or Steve Kime, and if either or both of them is going to be there next year or in five years, Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. Preach, Luke. We're talking about play calling duties when really we should be talking about the call of duty and how it's affecting our quarterback. I set you up for that, and I even knew you were going to do I told it. You I was going to do it. I still I set ready. you up for it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, now that you've, you can walk off now. That's, I, that's we talked about it earlier. I, 
I really want them to try and simplify and commit to the running game, but then you look at their past results this year, and it's like they have tried to rely on the running game to a certain extent. It's only worked once or twice. It really worked in the Saints game. You know, Benjamin really looked comfortable in that RB1 spot, and they were able to just consistently rely on him, and that's kind of what is really missing here is the reliable option that they've had. And in a way, DeAndre Hopkins was their running game in the two games prior to Sunday. And what I mean by that is he was just the guy they could consistently throw to and look towards on like second and seven or whatever to get us to third and two to get that first down, whatever it was, right? In the way that teams use their running game so often, that's kind of how they were using DeAndre Hopkins as their as their bailout option really is just like when we need to turn to something simple and turn to something that we feel is a, has a good chance of any in our playbook, it's just throw the ball out to Hopkins. And for a lot of teams, that's run the ball, hand it off to so-and-so. I think they need to get the running game going, and, and it's just it, it's so difficult to look at this and, and simplify it when we're trying to simplify it because of the injuries to the offensive line and specifically to the interior of the offensive line because this is the part where I would say they really need to try and get Kyler Murray's legs going more since nothing else has really worked this year. Now, they have tried to some extent. like someday, Sometimes we've seen it more than others, but at the same time, they haven't fully committed to it before, and, and I've always said they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't mainly feature his legs over anything else, but maybe now is the time to really try. If you're looking at trying to problem solve and try to look at different solutions, maybe that's it. Maybe it's looking at Kyler Kyler right now as more of a runner, more than a passer, and that's where you get into the ego thing and like, oh, you're doing this because he can't throw. No, we just, they they need to try something else. Honestly, you need to try something else or just truly simplify it, and three passes per drive are going to DeAndre Hopkins. Not two passes after the first quarter or whatever it ended up being on Sunday where they just stopped targeting DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, your season's on the line. At this point, I just want to see the the ball being thrown to DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray running if he has to. And whatever, I mean, whatever you have to do to get through the week at this point, there is no, they're not in the position we're talking about the Suns, like, okay, win these games and try and stay near the top of the conference while also developing. The Cardinals are done if they lose one of these next two games. And they may already be done, but you can't approach it that way. You have to approach this game against the Rams. Like you said earlier, it's a loser leaves leaves town sort of game. If you win, the Rams are probably done. That right there should be enough motivation after what they've done to you for the last few years. You brought this up before the show. We were kind of talking about it. Like, okay, well, what are the reasons that you should hold on to Cliff? What are the reasons why you're you're sticking with him as your coach? What What reasons are you optimistic? So go ahead and give me all your reasons, Kellen. Because I know you probably have a long list. Uh, first half of last year, and that's it. I found myself, I, I, I want to say it was the game in San Francisco, like week seven, week eight, somewhere in there. And they just had like a really good play call on third down. And I was like, man, another smart call. But is, is he going to win coach of the year this year? Like, he was I just, a favorite for a while. Remember, remember Bill was, Belichick said Cliff Kingsbury should be coach of the year because they were the two favorites. But again, it was halfway through the season. And Bill tends to say nice things about the competition. I got nothing outside of that, though. Nothing at all. But that's <laughs> it, it is a very, again, the levels that they reached that first half of the year. We were talking about as coach of the year. We were talking about how dynamic the offense was in all aspects of the game. There is precedence there. Okay, I can add this. I don't know if this is really a vote of confidence or what it is. Um, You can discern how you want to take this. He's not the only issue. I don't know if that's really like, if somebody said that about me, and they were like, well, you know, the thing thing that's good about Luke is he's not the only problem. (laughs) That's that's not really reassuring. But it's, it's the one thing I know for sure I can say about Cliff is not the only problem with the Cardinals. And I think a lot of people think, oh, if you fire him, we're going to be a playoff team. 
that's not the case. So if if you go into this offseason and let's say that they just don't get better and they finish 6-11 and 11 or whatever, they just keep winning at this clip and they decide in the offseason, okay, we got to switch coaches. Okay, I mean, you went 6-11 and 11 and if you look the way you did for these first nine games, that means you're not going to look very good for the entire season. But if it's just that, if it's we're going to change this one variable and everything's fine, I don't think you're going to be a whole lot better next year. Like they need to, I'm not saying like a massive overhaul, but I'm saying, I'm saying just don't approach this as, as there's one guy that's the problem because that's, then you're not going to get any better. The only reason that I would believe that Kingsbury deserved to keep his job right now is if Kyler Murray was getting better. He is not getting better. That is the, look, you can believe in the guy as much as you want as an NFL head football coach, look past the Texas Tech numbers, whatever, believe it. The number one priority for him and the number one reason he was here is not only because of the offensive guru thing, but because of his ability to develop quarterbacks and the investment this team put in Kyler Murray and what they gave up to get Kyler Murray and picking Kyler Murray where they did. That is why he is here, and that is why he has his job right now. So if Kyler Murray has a big second half of the year, and he looks like the top 5-10 to 10 quarterback that I believe that he can be and should be, to be honest, this year. That's your reason right there. That's that's all I need to see. But That's a good point. That's, but a, good, that's since, a really good point. But since Kyler has regressed this year, I, I'm mystified as to why Kingsbury has his job still. I'm mystified. There are guys coming into this league that are now younger or have been in the league less time than Kyler Murray that are passing him up at the quarterback position. Now, where this gets complicated is how much of that is Kyler Murray. Not how much of it is. But but you're right. I mean, the reason why he has his job, though, it's that's it. it. If you want to strip it it down to everything, if 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 the Cardinals missed the playoffs, but Kyler Murray was taking another step forward. If I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'm going into the front office at the end of the season being like, hey, my number one, what I can control is my quarterback getting better. I can't control all these injuries. We missed the playoffs because we had injuries. Teams missed the playoffs. But my quarterback's getting better, and that's who you've invested everything in. But you're right. Kyler's not getting better this year. And, I mean, he's still got eight more games. What if it's not Cliff's fault that Kyler's not getting better? That's a real fair question, but I don't think... They will ultimately. Get. Life's not fair as a head coach a lot of the times, and, and that's one of the instances where I can just say it's not. I thought fair. Wolf says it's always the quarterback's fault. Now you're telling me it's not. He, not when the head Wolf coach would, is hired Wolf for this would reason. Say that. <laughs> the the problem because Aaron's right. The problem is if, and this is kind of what I was saying earlier. If you fire Cliff, just be aware he's not the only problem. So if you're like, okay, he's not developing Kyler, we gotta get him out of here. That doesn't mean Kyler's suddenly good next year. You got to make sure you bring the right guy in. You know how many passing touchdowns Kyler had in the first seven weeks? Mm, d- d- not many. Seven, six. Okay, oh, look at that. Better than I thought. Seven and seven games. <laughs> text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, the injuries are already mounting for the Suns. How urgent is it for them to make a move? We're going to ask ESPN's Brian Windhorst next. He'll join us. It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olson filling in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I know I promised Brian Windhorst, and Brian Windhorst has called in, but we're having technical difficulties, so right now we cannot get to Brian Windhorst. On Unfortunate. No, I'm sorry. Break. So we're going to have to talk about Suns with the hope that we still get to talk Suns with him. Um, this is our last chance to talk Suns on the show today. So, Chris Paul, injury? Are you? I, I'm not so concerned about he got 
banged up in the game last night. And you had the quote that Dwayne Rankin got from uh, from him of he could have probably it sounded like basically he could have gone if it were a playoff game or if they had to have him go. But there was a moment in that game last night where I'm watching the Suns without Cam Johnson, without Jay Crowder, obviously, without Chris Paul and without DeAndre Ayton because Ayton was out for a little bit in that game. And it's not just, hey, these guys were on the bench and we're subbing guys in. No, it's like those are four four huge parts of that team last year that won 64 games and the team the year before that went to the NBA Finals not out there. And it was just kind of a reminder of how thin things are for this group right now. Maybe that's fine in early November, but it was a reminder of how how thin they are in general. And when you're looking at a team through the lens of can this team win the NBA title, yeah, the stakes get raised. Yeah, they do. I, I think that the thing that gets kind of difficult for me is that they, they're in a they're in a good position right now when Chris Paul is out. And what I mean by that is the direct replacement for him is there. So many teams in the situation when they lose one of the 20, 30, 15 best players in the league, no matter what you want to say, they're not in a position where they can replace him with someone who will keep things moving as much as you can relatively expect. And what I mean by that is that maybe their play isn't elite by any means, but everyone else is still able to function They don't well. bring everybody else down. Correct. Yeah. And that's where at the point guard position specifically, you really worry about that. But Cam's numbers as a starter last year were really, really good. Uh, looking at assists per 36 minutes, I know per 36 minutes, all you're thinking is dork, just tell me how many assists per game. <laughs> we're using assists per 36 minutes here because 36 minutes, that's what the high-end guy and minutes play per game. It's an easier way to judge, okay, Cam's numbers versus a, a, a bench player who's playing 15 minutes as to when he's starting, he's playing 30. We look at those numbers. Assist per 36 minutes off the bench last year, 6.8, really low. 10.9 as a starter. He was distributing in a way where we were expecting 9, 10, 11 assists per game a night from him. And the turnovers were fantastic as well because turnovers per 36, Chris Paul put up 2.6. So did campaign. He was putting up Chris Paul-esque numbers from an assist-to-turnover ratio perspective, which is crazy. He's one of those guys that plays better when he doesn't have to look over his shoulder, basically. When you know, hey, Cam, you're getting 33 minutes tonight. Go out there and do something with it. He plays a lot better. Yeah, so to add that all up, his assist-to-turnover ratio was 2.16 when he came off the bench. It went to 4.15 in those games when he started. Nearly doubled. He was tremendous as a starter last year, and especially with the way that it seems like he's flowing and vibing to the game at the start of the year, I think we're going to see that campaign. Again, if Chris Paul misses time, we're having this conversation as if Chris Paul is going to miss time. He came out of the game in the mid-second quarter. Right heel soreness is what it was called. He was trying to navigate his way around the screen. It looked like his right leg just kind of gave out on him really quick. It looked like he might have tweaked something. I'm not really sure what exactly happened there. He told Dwayne Rankin of the Arizona Republic that he could have played if he needed to. It's not something that he's worrying about. It's all good. Which is smart. There's, there's no point in putting him back in there last night. If Correct. It's, hey, Chris Paul might miss the rest of this game and maybe Wednesday, or we can put him back in there and risk him missing significant time to lose to Philadelphia by two instead of eight or whatever. Yeah, 100% the right thing to do last night. It was, yeah. So we, we don't know if he's even going to be out for Wednesday. If you're looking for updates there, the injury report is going to come out between 4 to 5 p.m. We'll, you'll see it on ArizonaSports.com. The updates from Eric Ruby on the Burns and Gamble show will give you that as well. And then Kellen Olsen on Twitter. For me, I'll have that out as soon as we guy? get the injury you know report. Some schmuck who only talks about basketball and all of his other opinions <laughs> and other stuff should be null and void. Idiot. I, I'm optimistic about that, but then it's it's just the bench. And, and not only is it, yes, who's campaign is replacing Chris Paul, who's replacing campaign. It's more so 
is the bench able to be a consistent plus without campaign as a part of the un- that unit so much because that unit lives and dies by campaign. When he missed those games for, for his own heel soreness in his left foot, the bench really struggled. It looked like it really missed him. So now if he goes to the starting lineup, what happens to that bench? That's where Landry Shamit specifically really needs to step up. You need the same kind of production you've been getting from Damian Lee, Lee and Jock Lando when campaign is in there, but Man, it's, it's one of those injuries that's concerning for different reasons, but it starts on the most central point of replacing Chris Paul, and it's actually a, a good outcome, which is that campaign is really, really good as a starter and has been for two years now. Yeah, and that's... See, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but as you're talking, it still raises that question to me of last year in the Mavericks series, why were they so hesitant to go to campaign? And I'm not trying to diminish what campaign is, because campaign in the playoffs... The year before, they probably don't make the NBA Finals if not for campaign stepping in when Chris Paul tested positive in the 2021 playoffs. Um, I guess the the bigger picture for me is, and you can't predict injuries, but you came into this season thinner than than you were at the start of last season. Can we can we hook a left here really quick? Yeah. We're talking so much about this 20-30 games Cam Johnson is going to miss and looking yeah. at potential playoff matchups. Who are you scared of in the playoffs? So let's say the Suns go 17 and 13 over these 30 games or whatever, and okay. it starts to look more like they're going to be a 3, 4, 5, 6 seed as opposed to a 1 or a 2 seed. Who is the team that could realistically be in that range that scares you the most? I think the most popular answer, well, yeah, I I guess, but the teams you wouldn't expect to be one or two. I guess you can say the Warriors right now with how bad they look in the regular season, how much it seems like they don't care about it. So you're saying if the Suns finished fourth? Let me me give you uh, an easier answer or a more difficult answer. Let's just assume the Clippers are one, two with the Warriors like we thought. And that is completely looking over uh, the Clippers and the Warriors. New Orleans is the only two. New Orleans, New Orleans is the only State. team that you worry about in the three to six range. As, three long, to seven as range. long as the Suns are healthy and and playing good basketball, I mean Denver. I guess Denver would be the next one, but I would still. If you're telling me the playoffs are starting today and the Suns are are healthy and they're playing Denver in the first round, I'm taking the Suns. I'm not taking the Suns in four. I'm taking the Suns in six or seven, but I'm still taking the Suns. New Orleans, I think it's really tough. And Golden State, you have to give them the respect of winning the title every other year. Who do you worry about? Let's run through. Denver, I think the X factor in that series is DeAndre Ayton and the way that he outplayed Nikola Jokic in the last playoff series they played against each other lends a lot of confidence to me that they will be able to pull through. Now, guess what? That Denver team did not have Jamal Murray and it had a Michael Porter Jr. with a bad back. Now, Michael Porter Jr. might just have a bad back for the rest of his career. It looks like yeah. he knows. But Jamal Murray being back, even if it's not the same looking Jamal Murray, we saw how much Clay Thompson helped the Warriors last year, even if it wasn't the same Clay Thompson. In this I'd, scenario, I'd still take the Suns, but I would say, like, breaking it down into three groups where. One of them is, I'm not worried at all. Second one is, I'm slightly worried, but I think the Suns will win. I forgot and then the, about Memphis, too. And then the third one is a coin flip, where you just you don't know. Yeah. I'd put Denver in two. I, I'm slightly worried just because of Jamal Murray, but I feel confident that the Suns are going to win. Dallas, same group, because yeah. they don't have Jalen Brunson anymore. The JaVale McGee thing is not going well for them. The Christian Wood thing is, but they really need both of those guys specifically, and size to be a huge thing. They're figuring it out. Memphis, I'm going to put in the second group. I'm going to put them there for now. A lot of people would say coin flip, but they're still missing Jaron Jackson, and their depth beyond Bain and Morant is pretty suspect. It's a lot of everyone else looking around, and then Dylan Brooks being like, don't worry, guys, I got this. And every other team that plays at Memphis is like, yes, Dylan Brooks, you got this. Go ahead, Dylan Brooks. Please shoot the ball again. 
That's where I put them. I put the Pelicans in the coin flip. I'm 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 worried about them. Yeah, that's, I think they're super legit. That's I'm 100 with you. My prediction on this show at the start of the season was the Warriors make the Western Conference Finals, the Suns make the Western Conference Finals, and the Pelicans make the Western Conference Finals. And I'm not sure how all three of them are going to do it, but those are the three teams. And then to me, it's everybody else in the West. And there are tiers like Memphis and Denver should be in that next tier. And I don't know what the Clippers are, and I'm not going to just give them credit until they actually do it. But yeah, New Orleans, I'm 100 percent with. You. I would say New Orleans and Memphis are the two. I'm trying to think if we're in mid-March, who are the two teams I'm looking at that are bouncing around three to six or two to seven or whatever, and I'm worried about where they're at in, in relation to the Suns. I would say New Orleans, just because playing Joffre a playoff series just seems extremely daunting. Yeah, that doesn't He could just, fun. in the he same way Luca did. Yeah. In the same way Luca did, he could do that too. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more. Returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale, and you can head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win those tickets. We come back. Could the Hard Knocks cameras add even more pressure to the Cardinals in the second half of the season? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We need to step the up. All of us. All of us. That, uh, that was Buddha. That's from the trailer for Hard Knocks, right? They just, okay, so what did we say earlier in the show? That the opening scene is going to be Buddha Baker being Someone's angry? super pissed about yeah. uh, the loss on uh, Sunday, but we did our detective work there, and judging by the jerseys, judging by a loss at home, it looks like that was all the way back in week five after the Eagles lost. Judging by a loss at home, that narrows it down to every game except one in the last calendar year. Yeah, you know. Um, no, and maybe that's not how the show actually ends up starting, but wouldn't that be a good opening scene? Yeah. So if you want to set the tone for how the Cardinals and their fans feel right now. To give the video element to the audio listeners, Buddha was addressing the entire locker room, and it looked like it was just before they went down in prayer. Like it Usually, like you all talk after the game he or whatever. He was the only one standing, it looked like. Yeah. And then it looked like something like Buddha, like, I have to say this before we all leave the locker room after this loss, and... And he gave that really great speech that, like you said, like you want to run through seven brick walls after hearing that. Buddha rules? Uh, breaking news? Buddha Baker's awesome? Why, like, again, why does he have to be hurt? <laughs> if I'm going to lower my standards for what I want out of sports, if you're going to tell me, okay, the Cardinals probably aren't going to make the playoffs, fine. At least let me enjoy the nation discovering Buddha Baker. And if he's going to be out for three weeks in the middle of hard knocks, we don't even get that. Yeah. And, and they're naturally the people that tied into what we were talking about. We're, we're going to talk about here to close out the show is, is hard knocks adding pressure to, to the Cardinals. And I'm sure there are some people who are going to reply to that tweet and say, oh, Buddha's only doing that because the cameras are there. No, or whatever. But Buddha. no, think that's, that's Buddha, that's first Buddha. of all. Second of all, 
think about what it's like to be someone like Buddha that competitive and have the cameras around to watch you guys losing like that. That was also a month ago, if it was the Eagles game. That, so you can imagine how angry they are now. So how much ang- more angrier he is well, after another true. home loss. But, but I mean, as far as like... Yes, the Hard Knocks cameras have obviously been there for a little bit, but not like they are now. You know what I mean? This yep. is not, hey, episode three of Hard Knocks, and the players have seen how it's getting cut, and then and, and this and that. And, oh, wait, there's the camera. I'm going to get I mean, that is that is a month ago, and the cameras just happened to catch it. So, yeah, As far as pressure, though, Luke, I honestly think that it's the opposite. And this is, again, Optimistic Helen returning for another guest spot here. Uh, he only comes in when we're talking about I the Cardinals. I think that this motivates them even more because you do not want to look like this type of football team with extra cameras and extra things behind the scenes because when they're showing stuff behind the scenes, you do not want to be the guy that's caught lacking or the guy that's caught goofing around during a serious moment or whatever kind of situation behind the scenes that could unfold that could make you look stupid you on national Antonio television. Brown. You do not want to be Antonio Brown in any situation in life, I think, it's unless you're catching footballs before everything goes off the rails in, in your life. Yeah, if you're like his second year of his career, maybe. Yeah, yeah I guess. like Good result for a six-round pick. But anyway, you just don't want to be that guy right now when the cameras are on you, and especially when the season is going like this, so it incentivizes guys even more to like work hard when those cameras are around and not be looked at that way. Like you got you were telling me that during throughout this process, Wolf has been saying like this is just not something that you you would want as a player specifically to have the cameras around. Well, you don't want it around because you don't want to look stupid in front of those cameras. And right now, the way that the Cardinals are playing, they're certainly underperforming, to say the least. So I think it adds even pressure is a word, sure, but it's also a motivator to like I don't know, like like I try every day to not look like an idiot. <laughs> That's that's a good motto to live by. I get up and I'm like, how can I look like less of an idiot today? Yeah, don't trip walking into the office. You know, check. don't say Von Miller's still on the Rams. Che- oh, not oh, check. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I did one. that earlier. Um, here's the thing. That was optimistic, Kellen. Though we just that's not the regular. He's gone Kellen. now. Yeah, he he left after that moment. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated by the idea that part of the reason the Cardinals signed off on this is because of what you just said. Because the NFL and HBO. They they have their certain rules of like, okay, if you're this team and this team and this team in the preseason stuff, you can't say no. But to do in season, I'm 99% certain the Cardinals are like, all right, let's do this. And I have to think on some level, when you're, when you're a team that has struggled in the second half of the season and you're a team that wants to make sure guys are as sharp as they can possibly be and they have that edge, I, I do wonder if motivation was part of the reason why Michael Bidwell or whoever was willing to sign off on this. Not necessarily a conspiracy theory, but a, oh, are you guys going to crap the bed again the second half of the season? You guys are going to then crap the bed in front of cameras. Yeah. Every, everybody's going to be watching, and this is not like a, well, yeah, everybody watches could watch every NFL game. No, no, no. This is behind the scenes, stuff like that. Who's, you know... Watch the game, let's say, next week against the Rams. Or how about last week? Okay, Robbie Anderson didn't play well. Billy Price didn't play well. A lot of guys didn't play well. But if you're a Cardinals fan and you watched and one of those guys was, didn't look very sharp in, in practice and the behind-the-scenes stuff that they're showing, you're going to be like, well, that's why he didn't play well. People are going to draw conclusions based on the show, right or wrong. And so as a player, you got to be aware of, like, all right, the cameras are here. I should be dialed in at all times. Probably should be anyway. So Cliff Kingsbury, back on May 23rd, was asked about hard knocks and he said that it could be motivational for the players yeah i mean like i said i think coaches and players you're going to want to be on your a game and be um well prepared many time that camera's around and make sure that that um you know you're putting your best foot forward so i think it can be a real motivational tool if we approach it the right way 
Wouldn't that have been fun if he said not look like an idiot like me? <laughs> no, he just said coach speak. Front foot forward, best, get better every day, that kind of mumbo jumbo. Man, you want to talk about how you represent yourself with what you just said earlier, and I completely agree. If they lose one of these two games, they're done. Their season is on the line. How are you going to represent yourself? How are you going to show yourself as a worker and just as a player in general when your season is on the line right now? That's where they're at. You at least want to look like the team or the player that is going into the Rams game or the San Francisco Do game. Do or die. Where you're like, man, you know what, though? They left everything out there, and it was just a bad break. It was the injuries, whatever. They did everything they could. If it's like, oh, they're just kind of casually walking through practice when other teams are practicing harder, that's going they get scrutinized when you're losing. Everything gets scrutinized. Kellen, thanks for doing this, man. Had a blast. Uh, thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Thanks to Kellen for filling in for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.